Well, for those of you that haven't gotten a chance to meet, my name is Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here, and I'm here with my good friend Dell, who's also a pastor uh, with us at BCBC. And we're up here together today to kind of kick off this new series, which we call Heads Up. We're excited about it because for a number of reasons, we think this is incredibly relevant to where we're all living and what we need God to do in our lives. I was even thinking, Del, a little bit earlier about how we're, we're looking forward to the Life Action Summit on November 3rd, and I just, I want to be able to give my best attention to God in that moment, and I feel like there's something holding me back from that. In fact, I, another way to frame it might be to say that about maybe 13, 14 years ago, something totally changed our church. This. It might have changed you in the way that it's changed me, I don't know. kind of hope not. I think about this, and I think about how even though I love having this in my pocket, I also hate having it in my pocket. And I don't like the person that this makes me into when I am not attentive um, to people around me or to situations around me because this is with me all the time. Now, the problem that this represents isn't in the technology itself, right? It's, it's in our use of it. It's in our, how we balance our lives and sometimes let them get out of balance. And sometimes our heads stay down far too much. So heads up. The next few weeks um, might be a challenge if you know who you are, which, you know, sadly, it's not like this is for a few of us. Um, everybody's caught in a vortex right now of something that's different than what humans have ever experienced before, having the world at your fingertips, having the more than endless encyclopedias accessible to you in your pocket, having no need to be bored for even two seconds before you can click to something that might satiate that desire and quell the craving for entertainment. Um, So I think about how this is impacting me And I know it's impacting all of us. It's not just the screen that's in my pocket, though. It's also the other screens that are around. So before this, um, another innovation that's relatively new is 24-7 news. And so I've talked to some people who they've kind of resisted the tide and they're, you know, they're proud that they still have an old phone or a dumb phone or something. And, but then they go home and they watch just a much bigger screen for hours and hours. You say, well, I, I think you're missing your own point there if that's you. Um, In fact, something just kind of really struck me to show how much the world has changed so quickly. I'll eventually stop talking and you can jump in, but I like talking about this. Yeah, the, uh, do you, do you know that, this is how this works, see, um, do you know that before September 11th, um, it was rare to have a ticker at the bottom of the news screen? Like, that was reserved for emergency bulletins, like when there was so much information that, you know, you needed to get more on the screen than just the one person could talk at a time. So September 11th was obviously a day like that, but someone did an analysis and found that after that day, the ticker actually never left the bottom of the screens. And now, when you watch a news channel, if you have a widescreen, like, they've actually got boxes and tickers and sometimes, like, multiple layers of tickers going 
because like the amount of information that one person can say at one time isn't possibly enough for you, right? So you have to have like, what if something happens that they're not talking about that I need to know right now? So that's all going along as well. And I think about that dynamic, the sort of the frantic pace of how much information that we're supposed to absorb and that we let ourselves be exposed to. And then to think, and, and I've literally done this, watching the news channel, feeling a little bit bored, opening up my phone and having even more information uh, flowing in front of me, just thinking, I wonder if something's wrong with this picture. If somehow that isn't changing me in ways that I don't want to change, kind of signing me up for a life that I didn't intend to end up living, but now feels way over-dependent on a screen. So, Del, you're here for many reasons, but one of the reasons we're sharing this series together is because in your field of study, outside of being a pastor, you're a therapist, and so you deal with people's emotional and spiritual inner self, and finding that that is being impacted by technology as well in some negative ways. And by the way, not everything we'll talk about in our series is negative. I mean, technology, there's amazing tools, there's amazing opportunity involved in all this, so we'll get to that too. But I think we have to kind of start with the diagnosis that society in general is not using this in a healthy way, and it's creating some adverse impact that 12 years ago no one would have imagined, no, no one knew to think about. But now when we think about where kids are at, when we think about where all of us are at, just start realizing that there might be more to this that we need to talk about. And I just, I, I don't feel like this is, this is important enough and widespread enough that I feel like the church needs to have a conversation about it. And so for the next few weeks, uh, we'll, we'll look at that. But you, you in, your, in your therapy, um, not your, the therapy, you probably need therapy too, but in the therapy that you give to others and kind of your study of social sciences and things and, and relating that to God's word, you've discovered a bunch of issues attached to this as well. And uh, so maybe you could tell us just from your perspective how you see smartphones and just kind of the overall pace of technological change, how that's affecting us as people. Yeah, sure. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, do, I agree with you, Dan, that uh, we're 12, 13 years into something that's unprecedented. So, you know, um, I think it's important that we talk about it because we're far enough in um, that we need to start answering the question uh, for ourselves, like, what is this doing to us? Um, and the scary thing is that in many ways we don't know. Um, we're all guinea pigs sort of in a new era. Like, God is with us, but this is, this is brand new. Um, I do think it's important, you know, just from a spiritual foundation to, to step back um, and to realize that what, what's being assaulted through all of this, the product itself, actually is our attention. Um, so, you know, you are the product. So think about, think about these really super valuable media companies like Facebook. Like, what do they sell? They sell your attention. Right? So some of the smartest uh, people in the world, the highest paid people in the world, are actually having this conversation right now too, but it's not necessarily with our well-being in mind. Um, it's with profit in mind. And so, and so when, we, when we just go along with the flow, when we don't take any kind of audit of our attention, which is foundational to our life with God and with others, um, if we're just going along with the flow of that, then we're actually, we're actually the guinea pigs and the product at the same time. Um, and so I think that's where we're seeing like, just such incredible 
um, impact at so many levels. So, um, you know, fear and anxiety are sort of like at unprecedented levels. So we know that we know that just from our own personal lives and in connection with others. Um, but it's also scary to think that part of the capturing of our attention is to play to fear and to anxiety. So that 24-7 news cycle that you mentioned, there's whole scientists that have actually studied what is, what is actually going to make you pay attention and me pay attention. Well, it turns out that fear is a great attention-getter. Like if we can tap into our sense of threat, we're going to pay attention. So it's not surprising that news is as negative as it is um, because as a business model, you've got to run seven fear-based stories to every one piece of good news in order to compete in the attention market. Do you follow what I'm saying? Um, so if you're, if you're 24-7 inundated with, you know, with fear, mm-hmm. um, it's, not, it's not surprising that you're going to um, experience higher levels of anxiety, which is what we're seeing. Um, that would be one example. Um, I feel that. Like, personally, I, I don't know if, if I share this experience with everyone, but, like, when, when I see a good news story, you know, like, woman adopts lost puppy or whatever, like, I'm glad to see that, but I'm kind of like, give me the real news. Like, where is something collapsing or being destroyed or why, you know, show yeah. me that because that's right. real. And it's like, it, it, is, it is sad that we're preconditioned to want. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort fear. of like the phenomenon of why, why things can get better on so many different levels, but we all feel worse. Mm-hmm. It's part, partly because of the, the 24-7 news cycle mm-hmm. that we're in. Um, so I think, we need to, I think we need to be aware of that. Like, like, how do you practice the scriptural mandate to think about what is good and true and beautiful and right and to promote that if you're being saturated with, by choice, constantly the things that are, that are evil or dark? Um, I think when it gets down to the level of like, um, really critical questions like who we believe that we are and how we achieve a sense of identity and worth, like what makes us have value as human beings... Um, we're going we're gonna to receive our identity not in isolation, but through, but through our connection to God and others. Mm-hmm. Well, think about, think about, think about social media um, with all of its hyped-up projection of our images and then, the, and then the comparison that goes on, you know, when you engage in it constantly. Um, we're comparing ourselves to each other at, a, like, an unprecedented level. Um, and then, on top of that, any sort of flaw or mistake that we ever make gets shared, you know, and memorialized, you know, on the, on the internet, that's going to have impact on, on people's identity formation, right, and who they believe they are, especially if you're young. It's like, so, so what's this doing to our young people who have no, no frame of reference is just unbelievable. So, I mean, I think there's just, there's just a lot of things that we, I think, as believers, we need to, like, audit, reflect on, and really ask the question, like, is this actually, is my use of technology actually promoting what I believe is ultimately good and true and right and the, uh, the purpose of my life. Right. If you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6, there's an interesting example. I mean, we know there's not a chapter in the Bible to talk, you know, turn to the part where Peter struggled with iPhone addiction and then he overcame it. Like We don't, we don't quite have those stories. Um, so we look back to the principles and say, are there any equivalent principles or the things that were happening in Bible times that... Are, are, that could inform us, that could give us wisdom for this conversation. 1 Corinthians is a letter written by Paul to the church of Corinth, which was known for having a lot of problems. There was a lot of worldliness. People make a lot of bad decisions in that church. There were a lot of beginner Christians that hadn't really figured out how to live for Christ yet. And so there was, 
there were, there were some challenges, and part of 1 Corinthians is actually pretty hard-hitting, he's confronting some of the negatives in that church. And one of the things people would say at that time, like a euphemism, a saying of theirs, would they'd say, everything is permissible for me, or I'm allowed to do anything I want, which isn't all that different than how we think of things, <laughs> uh, where we might say, I'm free, like I have liberty, I can do whatever I want, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, this is my body, this is my, you know, this is my mind, I can, it's not hurting anyone else if I don't pay attention to something, and we'll, we'll, we'll have this idea that if it feels good to you, that you can kind of go ahead with it. And so in, in Corinth, they had the same concept, they were making the same mistake, and Paul addresses that, he confronts it in verse 12 of chapter 6. He says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And then he goes on, and in this context, he's talking about sexual morality, that in that time, that church, there were people just sort of shrugging it off, going, well, you know, it doesn't matter that much. Um, After all, it's just your physical body. God cares more about your spirit. Just do whatever feels good. And he's saying, no, no, no. God, God cares about every aspect of who you are, through the death of Jesus, like it's, it's as if God has purchased you back from evil, all of you. So you're supposed to honor God with everything you've got, your body, your soul, everything. And I wonder if sometimes we get sort of trapped in a logic of going like, am I allowed to use this? Yes. So therefore it's good. Not necessarily, right? It would be in how we use it. So I look at this principle, and we'll come back to this throughout the series, of how do we know when something is actually best? Um, how do we know if something starts to enslave us? So for me, one of the reasons I'm really interested, kind of glad we're doing this, this is a little different than a typical message series, at least for me. It's one of the reasons we're starting with a conversation rather than me like boldly preaching this stuff, because I feel like I'm in this struggle personally. Um, I feel like I'm one of the people that are turning into a zombie unintentionally. And, and so I've, I've got like little tidbits of evidence, red flags in my own heart. That's, you know, they, it's, it's in the simplest things. You know, I'll, I'll be in a meeting at, uh, sometimes with some of you, and, and I'll be trying to hear what you're saying, but like ever so tempted to glance at my phone. For, for like, for what? I mean, no, no, even when there's not a text there or something. Um, but two things that happened to me in the last few weeks that were like major warning signals that I need to rethink my whole approach. Um, so some of you know I have like some of the cutest babies ever. We have three triplets. They're all 10 weeks or 10 months old right now, which means they're crawling, they're smiling, they're saying dada. When I walk in the room, like they all scramble, they all smile at me. I love like sitting in their little play zone that we made for them and just like if I just sit there like they're crawling all over me, there's toys, there's spit up. I mean, it's a great, it's a great experience. And, and they're so cute and they're so fun. And I'll be in there and three minutes in, I'll feel a little like notification ding in my pocket. And somehow the best, like I, I can't really imagine many human experiences that would be better than having cute little triplets like playing all around you, but somehow I'm like seriously tempted to pick up my phone and find out what that ding meant. Like, is the world going to end sooner than I expected um, or not? And I'm not like, if it was, I'd probably rather be with the triplets anyway. So I'm not sure why I'm having to, 
But I, I just realized, and that we're all pull, I'll think this is so cute, I've got to take a picture, pull the phone out, oh, hey, there's a Facebook notification, I wonder what's going on, you know, and, and suddenly, in a moment when I should be like full attention on something amazing, I'm getting pulled into things that literally don't matter to me at all. Why is that? Another, just, uh, just like maybe two weeks ago, I was laying out late at night, we have like a, uh, I was laying out like on a sun chair, and it was a totally clear sky, so I was just looking at the stars. And sometimes I do that, you know, it's always tempting to stay busy until bedtime or whatever and just kind of thought, you know, I need to go out and just pray and think about, think about important things. And so I went out and I laid down and there's the Milky Way, like there's nothing bigger or cooler you could think about, more majestic and wondrous, right, than the stars. But like 90 seconds into sitting there, you know what also ended up in the sky? This glowing triangle out in front of me, and it's like messing up my eyesight, now I can't see the... I'm thinking, why, like, what, what is it about something on here that's more important to me than like praying to God and looking at the universe? And yet, that was happening. And, and I realized that that happens a lot. And I know it's not just me, because I see you doing it too. The corporate you and the personal you. Um, and, I, and I just wonder, like, is, is this... Either am I so important that everything that happens on this somehow, like, it really is relevant to me, or is something wrong with me? Um, and, I'm, and you're in this, too, because I, I hang out with you quite a bit, and, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's there. So, yeah. so, so what are we going to do about that is, is part of our reason for doing the series. And, and what does the Bible say about, like, how this impacts our productivity, how it impacts our relationships, Think about, obviously, there's other categories that spring off of this one, like our purity is at risk as well. There's a lot of evil things we can access so easily. We'll talk about that in the context of the series. Um, but, but one that's really interesting to me is the way that it might even be rewiring our brains. Like our ability to have a good time is starting to be compromised. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah, so um, it's not only that um, you have a big problem that we need to get you help with, Dan. Um, that's why I'm here. It's... <laughs> I meet with you every week, yeah, and I'm still waiting for the help. So. <laughs> it's also that it's also that you know if you were to if you were to map your brain, like on a brain scan, which which has been done, um, to to lots of folks, um, to see what was going on behind that story, is that there's a there's a biological story going on. So like, actually, actually, um, the 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 connections in your brain that tap into pleasure and then eventually get into habits and become cravings. Um, are getting rewired by the cycle of the way that we're using our technology. So the reason that you feel this void, the, the reason that you check your phone when it, when it almost automatically, when it triggers you through a ding or a, 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 a beep, um, the reason that you feel a, a deep sense of emptiness um, subconsciously, even when you're in the moment of some otherwise like engagement like with your kids, um, is, because, is because chemically... There's pathways that now have been formed in your brain that are craving a pleasure release called dopamine that you've trained your brain to get through that technology. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a sense in which we can say um, that the same basic biological process that causes any kind of addiction is happening to us with technology. Um, and so it speaks really to this freedom that the scripture and Jesus is offering that we can actually live without being mastered. Um, and that we still have intentionality and choices and engagement with God and with others. Um, really some beautiful 
practices that are, t- that are from Jesus and from the scriptures and timeless from the saints that can help us cultivate the kind of mind and life um, that actually can be present, that actually can be attentive, that can actually be interactive and loving. Um, God is for our best you know, all the time, mm-hmm. not against our technology or anything else. He's for what's good and beautiful. And, um, and I think this is going to give us an opportunity to re-engage and look at some of those you know, <laughs> pathways with God that are going to bring our joy and our peace and our connectedness and our shalom um, and also help break the, the power of cheap substitutes. Right. You know? you know, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And I think about that sort of mind space. You said attention earlier. I think that, that's a major part of what makes us human beings is the fact that we're self-conscious and we think. And we have the ability to think not just about our next instinctual need, but about important things. And just thinking, like, I I really don't want to just put a for sale sign on that and let it all go to waste for my whole lifetime. I really want that to matter. Like, I want to pay attention to the right things. I want to love God with my mind. And so part of what we'll be exploring is how we do that, especially when we're in a culture where there's more temptation than there ever has been to sort of give your mind and attention away to things that might be fun for like kind of a fleeting second, but they really don't matter. Uh, a little bit like eating junk food, you know, just it's, 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 it's temporarily a positive, but like you don't feel good afterwards. And I think about that if I've scrolled for a while and think, why am I scrolling? Like I have something else to do. I'd rather do something else. And yet maybe just a little bit more, just another one, just another one. And that, you know, minutes, hours can go by kind of caught in that loop. So um, same thing, you know, channel surfing or Netflix surfing or whatever it is we do, there's, there's a lot of reason why we could give our mind away. And, and I think there's a good place for some of these technologies and entertainments in our lives, but we, we have to figure out how this balances with God's word and with our calling in our lives. Um, a couple things before we sort of wrap up our intro here. As a parent, this is a big deal. Um, I know a lot of you have the same conversations with, I have this conversation with my kids a lot um, about like, hey, we want our phone and I read this, this article from somebody in Silicon Valley who invents phones and things, and he said the last student in a classroom to get a phone is the winner. Because the way a phone rewires your brain, it actually changes how you learn and who you are. And the earlier you start that in life, the more compromised or changed you become. And, and so we just decided we're going to try to hold back as long as possible. But even that, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to know how much screen time, even big screen TV time is okay. How, how do we how do we deal with that when a lot of school is kind of going that direction as well? And it's just there, there's there's an ongoing challenge as a parent that I, I feel, um, and I, I know that you're you're kind of in that as well. Only your your kids are a couple stages older than mine, so how is that working out? Yeah, so they're all here here. They're all here this morning. So I have to be careful. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, honestly, they're teaching me a lot about all this. Um, and we are, we are having dialogues. Like I, I think some of it's, as they get older, it's really awesome to bring them in on this conversation. Um, and so I was actually playing for them like a video from an educator on what this is doing to uh, people's depression and anxiety and insecurity, social media. Um, and it was kind of a plea from this educator to adults and teachers and parents um, to be aware. And so I played this for my daughters, and they interacted with me about it. And um, it wasn't so much uh, decisions I made for them. Like one of my daughters, who's not at college, uh, decided to go off of social media for this period. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that it'll be permanent, but she decided to go off. And she was telling me, um, Dad, it's amazing. Like, 
people, one of the first questions they'll ask you at college is like, what's your Snapchat or what's your, what's your you know, Instagram, whatever, address? Um, and she says, well, I'm not on it. And it's just like this long pause where they're like, like, that's an option, you know? Um, and, and it's almost like she said, I, I actually think they admire me. Like, they're almost like, wow, can, I can't, I mean, that would be awesome. You know? I mean, that would be awesome. Like, do you can, people can do that. Um, and so I think, I think that, um, I think that again, all this gets down to personal, uh, wisdom choices. Like, I don't think there's like, people are good or bad based on what they do on these things. But I think it's the dialogue, it's the wisdom, it's the purposes, like the, mm-hmm. like really this, this audit and conversation with ourselves, with our families about what kind of humans that we want to be and with God, what's going to take us there and what's not for this season of our lives and what personally for us is the practices that, that need to be both in what we're not going to do and what we're going to cultivate to bring us to that end that, that needs to be the intentional conversation. Right. So, so what we're looking forward to over the course of the next few weeks is just unpacking each of these things kind of one at a time, saying, okay, Lord, what, what do you have for us in this? Knowing that there's immense positive that's associated with technological advance, there's also risk factors, and we think we should just be upfront about all those. Um, another thing that Paul said to the Corinthian church in another context in chapter 10, he, he kind of brings up that same issue where they were going, well, I'm allowed to, aren't I? And he said, you know, not every, you might say you're allowed to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Not everything is beneficial. And then he kind of caps off the conversation by saying, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So one way that I try to measure my own approach to activities, and we'll, we'll come back to this in future weeks, but is four B's, four questions that start with B. Is it best? Does it bind me? Does it build up? And does it bring glory to God? And if something sort of fails that test, it's, it's a pretty clear indication it shouldn't be a part of your life, or at least not a major part. And um, so I look at that and go, Lord, I, I recognize I could play the game of saying, what am I allowed to do? And then run right up to the edge of the cliff and say, I'm allowed to be here. Um, or I could say, no, that's not how I want to approach my Christian life. I, I want to love God with my whole heart and mind. And so, Lord, what's best? Um, how can I not be enslaved to anything other than my commitment to you? And Lord, what would really build up myself and other people rather than just sort of give me entertainment? And, and ultimately, what, how could I bring glory to you with the things I do and things I choose to look at or the way I use my time? Um, so I'd like to conclude our segment here with one verse from Ephesians that I think is a... Um, I think when, you, when we've just had this conversation and then we say this verse, it, it, it has a little extra poignancy. <laughs> um, it's kind of scary to think about um, what this means for us. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, Be careful how you live. This is in chapter 5, verse 15. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. If ever there was a temptation to be thoughtless, for me, it's when my phone is on and in front of me. It's when the TV is on and in front of me. There's other ways we can be thoughtless, of course, um, but these are temptations that we're all sort of walking through together. 
And on the flip side, right there in the verse, it says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Going like those same technologies have incredible opportunity attached to them to share the gospel, to learn, to grow in our purpose, to stay connected with people. Uh, There's all sorts of good, uh, but there's a lot of red flags as well. And that's why we want to put our heads up for a minute and let's talk about this. Let's think it through and ask for the Lord's help. Um, so, Dell, I want to ask you to pray for us and maybe just give you the final word as well if there's anything you would want to encourage. Oh, one thing I wanted to say that we're going to have fun with throughout these next few weeks. It'll be fun, I think. It might be horrible, it, one or the other. Uh, the fun is we're going to try out some, like, um, we're going to do, you know, this audit of how much are we really using these technologies and then try not using them for, like, little segments of time and see if we can survive it. So, example would be, can you go news dark for 24 hours. Say, but Dan, what if the news I've been waiting for my whole life drops? <laughs> well, you'll find out on the tw- in the 25th hour when you frantically turn on the television to find out what, what you missed. Like, maybe the president said something and maybe someone responded. That could happen during that time. Okay, um, so that'll be one test we'll do. Another one that's even scarier, and we were talking about, could we even do it? Could we put our phone in a drawer for four hours? What if all my closest relatives die during those four hours? I won't know. Somebody will have to tell me, I guess. So, uh, so anyway, or what if you went social media dark? Like you, you just don't go on for two days. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we'll still be here. So anyway, that's, that we're going we're gonna to enjoy all that together, and you don't have to participate in those challenges, but I, I hope you will. Um, if you're the person that says, I'm not addicted, but I just don't want to do the challenge. You just need to think about that a little bit, all right? So, um, and uh, so anyway, that's all coming up. Um, pray with us about this series. This applies to every one of us. It applies to our kids. We, we want to get it right because we know our lives have a big purpose, a big mission. We don't want to miss it, all right? Bell, why don't you pray for us? Yes, yeah, so Lord, um, I feel your invitation um, into wisdom from you. And so I just pray that as we do this collectively that we would get insight that you'd speak to each of our hearts, that you would give us um, paths, new paths to cultivate a freedom and joy and peace, love, all these things that you promised are possible um, for us, and that we will be stronger and more able to bless um, truly from the heart um, because of this community of uh, Christians who are following you and looking at your word. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, heads up. We'll see you next week. <laughs>